Good morning, Safe Haven. In case you don't know me, my name is Johnny Eubanks. I am not typically who you would see up here. Uh, oh, and a quick, just a quick note, if you're wanting an early lunch, the first service set a new world record for the fastest service ever, so you guys are in luck, okay? But typically, Troy is up here, he's our teaching pastor, but he's out this week, and uh, he asked me to fill in. I'm excited as we continue to journey through Colossians. Um, actually, specifically about two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Troy sent me a text, and this is all it said. June 27th, Colossians 1, 24 through 29. What you say? And, you know, I'm trying not to be an initial no person all the time. So I said, sure, man, I'll give it a shot. Let's do it. Why not? And then I decided to actually read the text after I'd already committed to it. You know, good good idea, right? So I break it open. In the very first verse, it starts with Paul says he, he introduces the idea of not only suffering, but rejoicing in suffering. And I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Fantastic, right? Because as I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain, I'm trying to think, man, how are we going to approach this topic? How am I going to relate to this? How do we even start talking about this? And if I'm being honest, the only thing that I keep coming to my brain is the fact that I am just flat out the worst person to talk about suffering or suffering well or rejoicing in suffering. Because if we just dialed it way back from suffering and went all the way down to, I don't know, maybe like a common cold, a little fever, I'm not rejoicing in that. I don't even do that well, right? I don't get sick very often, uh, but somehow, mysteriously, every time I get sick, I promise that's not a picture of me, by the way, but every time I get sick, it's a case of the man flu, right? I don't know what uh, I see Elizabeth in here. I I know you could probably tell me with facts and data that that's not a real thing, but I promise you guys it is a real thing, all right? Like every time, whatever the normal body temperature is, 98.7 or whatever, the second mine breaks into the 99s, I'm out, right? I'm complaining. We're not friends anymore. I don't want to participate. I'm shutting it down, and I'm certainly not going to rejoice, right? So as we joke about this and interview a lighter topic, some of you in the room probably think I'm a huge sissy, and that's fine, but there are some of you in there that secretly you're like, yes, I knew it. I knew the man flu was real, right? So we might be divided on that, but if we step away from a lighthearted topic and we, we walk more towards something far more serious... If we actually talk about the idea of suffering, I think we could all agree that that's not going to rank very high on the list of things that's fun to talk about. And, and far more than just talking about suffering, enduring suffering, enduring well and rejoicing, that seems kind of foreign. But that's exactly where the text is going to take us today. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're continuing our journey in the book of Colossians. We're in chapter 1. We're going to pick up with... Verse 24, let's, let's look at it together. It says this, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Well, just in verse 1, we have decided to go ahead and jump in the deep end. There's a lot going on here, but before we try to digest all of it, let's just let's cut it in half. Let's just look at that first section, all right? Paul says, I rejoice for what was suffered for you. How can Paul do this? How can Paul rejoice in suffering? Well, I think we can look at where his mindset is, right? And we can see where his mindset is by what he's saying. It would have been real easy for Paul. Remember, he's he's in prison when he's writing this. Would have been real easy for him to write to the Colossian church and say, "Um, Hey, Colossian church, I don't know if you guys realize this, but I'm in prison. I certainly could use your prayer. Maybe you could visit me, call the bell bondsman, get me out of here. 
you know? But he doesn't say that. He tells him, I, I am suffering. It's true, but I'm rejoicing. Why? Because I'm remembering what Christ has done, not only in me, but he's faithful to continue to do in his church, and he's continuing to work. He's not absent, and that's where Paul's mind is. He's not consumed by his current circumstances. He's not focused on his setting, but he's continually focused on what God is continuing to do in building his church. I think there's application for us there. I think that absolutely applies in suffering, but man, that doesn't just apply in suffering. I think that applies in every aspect of our life. How quick we can easily be consumed by what's around us, by our settings, our circumstances. But if we're going to be a people that rejoices, if we're going to be a people that's marked by joy and thanksgiving, I think that's only going to be found when we continue to fix our eyes, both on what Christ has done internally and what he's continuing to do in his church. Let's keep going. Let's look at the next half of that verse, okay? All right, Paul says, And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. All right? What is still lacking in in regard to Christ's afflictions? What in the world does that mean? Right? In fact, I bet if I asked everybody in here, remember last week we just talked about Christ being supreme in all things. He's the agent through which all creation was made. He's the acceptable substitute on our behalf that God, for God, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's all things. And yet Paul says here, he's filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. I bet if I asked you, hey, what's lacking in Christ's afflictions? I bet every single one of you, your gut reaction would probably be nothing, right? So if that's your gut reaction, what, what, what is this referring to? And I think it would do well if we maybe separate out and look at the singular event of Christ's afflictions compared to the extent of Christ's afflictions. Okay, and what I mean by that is this. We know well that when Paul's talking about Christ's afflictions here, in absolute no way whatsoever is he referring to Christ's work in atonement. All right? Paul has no job in that. Paul has, is not working in filling up anything lacking in Christ's work in atonement, and neither do we. Jesus... Uh, his life on earth, his death, burial, and resurrection. That is his work and his work alone. It's complete, it's perfect, and it's wholly accepted by God the Father. In fact, the book of Acts tells us that there is no name under heaven or on earth through which men can be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, and it's in that singular event of his afflictions, the atonement. That's his work alone. But if we, if we step back and maybe broaden the lens a little bit, beyond that singular event and look at the extent of Christ's sufferings, I think if we look at everything else he endured during his earthly ministry, I think maybe that's what could apply here, right? Because we have a definite starting point of Christ's work on earth, and really that hasn't finished yet. I don't think it's a stretch to say it's lacking completion. In fact, I think Jesus even told us this. Think back to when he was raised from the dead, right? What did he do? He appeared to the disciples. He appeared to believers. And I'm sure he told them a lot of things, a lot of great things. But I know for sure, without certainty, there's at least one thing he told them. Because it appears in all four Gospels. And it appears in the book of Acts, right? What is it? It's the Great Commission, right? You guys know it. You could probably recite it. If we were giving out gold Sunday school stars, I bet half of you in here could say it and get a gold Sunday school star, right? You know what it is. And if we really break it down, what Christ is saying there, he's saying, hey, believer, hey, disciple, look at everything I did here on earth, what I started, preaching, teaching, making disciples, baptizing, and even the the suffering that comes from that, all of that, 
continue it. Why? Because I'm going to the Father and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you and that work is not done. And it's still not done. We know it's not done because Christ hadn't returned yet. Unless we think that this is just a call for Paul or just a call for the disciples or ministers, this is a call for everyone found in Christ. I pray that our desire is just like Paul to say, hey, I want to stand and fill in what's lacking, what's yet to be completed in Christ's work here on earth. I think it would do us well. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 25 and 26 together. All right. So Paul's saying he's rejoicing. He's, he's filling up what's lacking. It's for the sake of the body, the church. And he picks up here. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Listen to this. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. I couldn't really get over that, just that phrase, to make the word of God fully known. And I think what's so awesome about that is if we even just look at that, for Paul to say that, God is not distant, he's not far off, he's not withholding, but we can not only know him, but we can know him fully and completely. And if you're a believer in this room, you know where this is going. To know God fully, to know his word fully, that is completely wrapped up in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It begins with Christ and it ends with Christ. And that's the fullness of it. To know God fully, it is, no, it is in knowing the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And I was thinking this week, I was trying to uh, think of somebody who really just embodied this idea of making the Word of God fully known by preaching just that simple message of the truth of Jesus and Jesus alone, and also who's desired to pick up and carry in Christ's afflictions and do that well and to persevere. And we could, we could think of great examples of famous people that probably have books written about them and you know, maybe have movies written about them. But man, I thought about my parents, right? My parents live in a small town in rural Alabama. They've been faithfully serving in a church there for 40 years. Bubba and Sherry. And I know you're thinking, my dad's name's Bubba. I should probably be tougher and not complain so much when I get the, the common cold. But, you know, I guess that's a mystery too, right? But anyway, um, they've been in the same church, right? And, and through 40 years, you can imagine, God's done some amazing things, right? He's raised up leaders, teachers, preachers, and he's sent them out. They've gone and, and spoke to other churches. They're leading congregations. Worship leaders have raised up, even written songs, probably some that you even sang in church. Missionaries have gone out. But the whole time, my parents... They've just stayed in Monroeville the whole time, continuing to be faithful in the Gospels, continuing to fill up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. And I think for some of us, that call may be. I mean, we're celebrating today. Haley and Marianne, they're going overseas, and that's awesome. And that may be the call for you as well. But for a lot of us, it may be just like my parents. Stay in that same little town. And you know what? Be consistent, preaching the message of Christ and Christ alone while he continues to build his church. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 27. So to them, we ended up talking about his saints. So to them, his saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's just stop for a minute. Just let that phrase sink in, okay? If you're a believer... Maybe you've never just stopped and said this, but let's do it right now. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, is literally in you. Right? 
Like we talked about, we're, we're, this whole book we're talking about Christ supreme in all things. You know, He's our atonement. He's our redemption. He's our Savior. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's eternal. And yet, at this very moment, believer, He is in you. That's enough. That's, that's enough. That's, that should be the reason we sing. That should be the reason we go, we teach, we do whatever. And it should just filter down to every aspect of our lives, how we speak to our wives, how we discipline our children, how we interact with our neighbors, how we do at work. Why? Because you have the greatest mystery of the universe, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I hope we never lose sight of that. I hope it's on the front of our minds, the front of our tongues, and everything we do and say pray that that is the reason we go, the reason we do. Let's keep going. We'll look at the last two verses. We're going to wrap it up. Verse 28. Now him we proclaim, Jesus, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. When I was reading this, I couldn't help but think just the, the honesty here, uh, the humanity um, that Paul is saying. He's laid out everything that he's doing, his calling, his work, why he's going. Uh, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's desiring to make the word of God fully known. And in all of it, he's just honest. And he said, you know what? This is work. I'm laboring in this. I toil in this and I even, I even struggle. And I think most of us, if we... If we would say, hey, you know, I do want to carry up and, and fill in what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. I do want to be faithful and consistent in ministry. If we're honest, sometimes that feels like work. Sometimes that feels like a struggle. But the great encouragement is not only is Christ in you in terms of salvation, not only is that your hope for eternal glory, but it is, he's continually in you as he continues to work and build the church, Right? Paul, yep, he struggles, but he's not alone. With all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Christ is the message at the beginning. It's the reason he can rejoice. Christ, the hope in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the reason why we can sing and rejoice, and it's the message as we continue to go out and send out. So what do we what do we do with this? Well, how can we walk away with this passage? Well, I can't help but think that. All of it, all of it is centered on verse 27. Just that phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Paul describes this as the greatest mystery of the universe. And if it's true, if, it, if that is the greatest, richest, most glorious mystery of the universe, that Christ is in you and the hope, the hope of glory. And if it's true, we can endure suffering which rejoicing because we can keep our minds on that fact. Christ is our hope. If that's true, we can join with Paul and we can continue to carry out what's lacking in Christ's earthly ministry. We can continue to be faithful. If that's true, we already know the fullness of God and we've experienced it firsthand, amen? We can teach that and preach that as well. Christ and Christ alone. And we can remember to be faithful to our calling. We can persevere to the very end, being consistent in ministry, even if suffering comes our way. So this band comes on back up. I told you guys, it's going to be quick today, right? So we can, we can rejoice even in a quick lunch, right? But man, for the, for the unbeliever in the room, 
I think, I think the, the, using the term mystery to, to describe this is probably accurate because none of this really makes sense apart from Christ. And if that is you, and you've never experienced this great, rich treasure of Christ in you, man, I would love to walk through that with you. I would love to talk through that with you. But for the believer, we're not going to have the opportunity to continue in worship, and we're going to sing this song literally about this. That Jesus is not just kind of a hope. He's not just a past hope. But He's literally our living hope right this very moment. Press into that, believer. Hold tight to that. Let that be the spring that wells forth everything we go from here. So let's pray together. Let's continue in worship. God, thank you for today. Thank you again for the text. Lord, if nothing else, I thank you for the beautiful truth that in all seasons of life and all things and suffering and wellness, we have great hope that is Christ in us. Jesus, I pray that your name has been lifted high. God, I pray that you are glorified above all. We love you. Amen.